Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast, classic music reviews, presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective you could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I have a very special guest in the house with me here today. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But of course, first, we're going to stop and give a shout out to all the fans, the listeners out there worldwide and stateside for continuing to show us love. The numbers continue to be great there on our host on Red Circle. Guys, continue to keep spreading the word. Remember to go to vaultclassicpod.com. You can go there. A couple of things just to remember as of note, in the beginning, you heard it. The private Facebook community, the Vault Podcast Record Club, click in the links. You can go there on the links on vaultclassicpod.com. Join the Facebook community, answer a few questions, and you're in. And then, of course, to buy me a coffee, go there to show your support. Give a small donation to make sure that we can continue giving you the content that you love and you need and that we can continue to open the vault. As we always say here on The Vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics. And we have a very special guest today, and I'm very pleased to be able to have Charlie D from the Word to the Mother podcast. It's a retrospective 90s hip hop podcast. And on this next review, she's going to be joining me here on The Vault to give her perspective on this album as only those of us who grew up in the 90s could. So here's how it went. And joining us once again in the vault, I mentioned it here in the open. We have a very special guest here today as we always open up the vault and give a shout out to nothing but the classics. And we have somebody that strikes right to the kindred soul of this heart, the heart of the vault classic music reviews. And, you know, we wanted to bring her on because I met her on Twitter. Um, and we sort of linked up through following other people on shows. And as a podcaster, you get out there and follow people's shows. And you try to find, as we had this conversation before we just came on, try to find your people. Like the folks that are going to, that love 90s hip hop and R&B, that sort of strike to that nostalgia of all everything that we came up with. So I found her and found her show. And so she's joining us here today. And I am very pleased to welcome into the vault, Charlie D from the Word to the Mother the podcast now the word to the mother podcast is a retrospective on 90s r&b and hip-hop and she does an excellent show every single show that she has there's a feature there's a featured song and also a featured artist just so far in the last couple of weeks and in this year she's featured some very very notable artists including erica badu jay-z salt and pepper and some of the featured songs that she featured so far this year uh, by nikki d daddy's little girl only You by Kwame, which is the jam, and it's still the jam almost 30 years later. And another featured song, Blue Cantrell, Hit em Up Style. I remember that because I was in college at Morgan State University when that dropped, and I got the promo single when her reps came by to drop things off to us. So welcome, Charlie D., to the Vault Classic Music Reviews podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. How you feeling tonight? Yes. Oh, my goodness. With an intro like that, I'm, I'm clutching my per- like, homie, you didn't did your research. I feel like I, I don't have anything else left to say except take a bow. But uh, thank you for having me on here. And wow, I mean, you got it all. The retro, the featured artist, the featured song. And even some episodes. I'm super excited to be here. I haven't actually done this in a very long time. It's my first time in a while. So okay. I'm, I'm super honored. And I know we're going to have a good time. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited. Absolutely. And it's when you get into this space, and there are a few podcasts out there in podcast land, the indie ones that do this throwback hip hop thing. And what I love is about people of this era. When you talk to someone who was there and was outside when these things were happening, the conversation just takes it to another level. When Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, if I was outside and you were outside and I was watching Rap City and you was watching Rap City and you was watching the box and I was watching the box, well, then you get a little bit more in the conversation just having a run-of-the-mill conversation with just anybody. So, absolutely. So, having this review today, 
Something that we talked yes. about, and when Charlie and I talked, we talked about what kind of things when we wanted to collaborate, what kind of reviews she would be interested in. So she mentioned a particular group. And we're going to go back to mm-hmm. a group now, back to 1992. We're going to go back 30 years ago to February 25th, 1992, to the legendary trio and to actually the best R&B selling group of the 90s and actually mm-hmm. of all time. And, and that's TLC, T-Boss, yes. Left Eye, and Chili. Mm-hmm. And their debut album, Ooh, on the TLC tip. And yes. uh, released on <laughs> February 25th, as we mentioned, on LaFace Records. Recorded between April to December 1991 at the Doppler, Lococo, Boss Town Studios, all in Atlanta, and House of Hits in Chestnut Ridge in New York. Executive producers, Dallas Austin, also Babyface, also L.A. Reed, Other producers Mm. as well taking place with this. Daryl Simmons, DMC, the legendary DJ Molly Maul. Speak on it. KO in a runtime of 55 minutes and 32 seconds on the face records (laughs) and Arista. Now that's a throwback, of course. (laughs) Speak on it. Speak on it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, sir. So. Yes, sir. This is their debut album. Um, Really, TLC came out, I want to say out of nowhere, really. Um, Nobody Mm -hmm. was really expecting what these three ladies brought to the music industry and to speak to their success. And we said they're the most successful female group, R&B group, not just of the 90s, but in history. Now, this is their least selling album out of their catalog, Charlie. This sold 6 million copies worldwide, and it's the least amount of records they sold as a group. Six Is that all? That's all. Six million. Six million. Six million. So just to tell you about, we talk about legendary status that a group has reached based off the success that they've had. There are very few groups, actually there are a few artists and acts, period, that can say they have reached the type of success that TLC did. And it all started mm-hmm. right here with their debut 30 years ago. So the three singles that they released that everybody knows about, of course, the first one, Ain't Too Proud to Beg, was released in late 1991 on November 22nd. The second, Baby, 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 which was May 29th, 1992, became a huge hit that summer. And then mm-hmm. the last one was one of the more memorable ones as well, was What About Your Friends, released at the end of that summer, 1992. Ooh, on the TLC tip, Charlie D. Mm. You told me you mm. were a big TLC fan back in the day. So, yes, you know, and, and I know that this was something that you wanted to especially do. So we're going to get into, before we get into the album, let's go back just yes. to your journey with T as a TLC fan. How did this whole thing start with you getting into them in the first place? Oh, my goodness. Mm. Ooh, okay. 1992. <laughs> Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> Okay. I was about 14 years old and I, you know, I don't remember the exact day that I saw the video, but I do remember the first video I saw was, I believe, Ain't Too Proud to Beg. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I think I was either eighth or ninth grade and me and my best friend, I've referenced her a lot in my particular podcast because we went through all these things together. Mm-hmm. That video came out and I think my whole life changed. My whole mind just went boom because... Yeah. First of all, Ain't Too Proud to Beg, there was no video out like that at that time. But the thing that caught me is that these chicks looked and act exactly as I did. There you go. You know, I'm a young teenager. I'm silly as hell. Uh, You know, the toys. Me and my friend were going, we would be in the malls every weekend playing with everything. We'd be in the toy stores. We'd be on the little playground thing. We Mm -hmm. were just silly. Yeah. We were silly, silly girls. And we just made it a party everywhere we went. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, we did our little thing, you know, trying to be sexy and, you know, all that. But we were we were also in the baggy jeans and the, the little boots. And, you know, the, at that time it was, well, I would say it was cross colors, but TLC actually made that. They made that popular then. So we weren't in there before. But the thing <laughs> yeah. is, when the video came out, I felt like they were a f- reflection of me. What you didn't see is artists who were silly. And yeah. crazy and playing with toys and pacifiers and bright, bright colors. They were almost like a cartoon. Yeah. And that's how I was. I, I, I've always been a class clown. Yeah. And they were just really, really funny. And they came out with this sense of humor and this sense of energy. And I felt like, oh, my God, this, this is it. Yeah. This is it for me. Yeah. You know, in short, that's how I was. This that's was it for me. These were my girls. They were like me. I was like them. Yeah. 
still. That's I think <laughs> that's I think was the biggest selling proposition for them with TLC. And for me, I was just well, I was still I was at I think ten years old when this album came out. But I had older sisters, so we used to always music videos were always on in the house. Yes. So the thing with TLC, which sort of struck you, is because like you said. They seemed like regular girls that you would hang out with, girls you would see in the mall, girls you would go to school with, girls that would be at parties in somebody's backyard, you know, while you were in middle school or in high school. Like, and the way that they dressed was like a way that's like, okay, a way that you, uh, it was really starting to bring to a sense of fashion that was starting to make its way into like, especially hip hop culture, where girls Mm -hmm. were starting to dress a different type of way. Like, we came up with singers like Anita Baker and Whitney Houston and -hmm. Patrice Russian, where you know, when R&B singers, they looked a certain type of way. Like they were wearing dresses and yes. heels and earrings and makeup and lipstick. And they looked very regal to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Even the guys like Luther Vandross and Alexander O'Neill and Freddie Jackson, like they would have like blazers on and suits. Yep. And, you know, once you got to the 90s, the R&B act started looking a lot different. You started yes. looking at acts like Jodeci, they started looking different. Someone who came Mm -hmm. out later on that year, Mary J. Blige, with her debut album, she looked different. Jodeci looked different. BBD looked different. Oh, to say the fact that we're talking about BBD, mm-hmm. it's uh, reading a lot of things, and it kind of clicked for me a little bit later on. It's like that's who the hell TLC was. They were the yes. female equivalent of what BBD style yes. wise and music wise, they were the exactly. female equivalent to them. So exactly, and I was a huge BBD fan when Poison came out. I wore that tape. Out. And, and Poison is still one of my absolute favorite songs. Yeah. So when they came out, they were like the female version. They had R&B, hip, hop, smoothed out, you know, that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. And they were the girl version. So I was like, yes, yeah. yes. That's what exactly. made it work. So what made mm-hmm. them work, the reason why they were so successful, not just in this album, but I think afterwards, is that people saw them as one of their folks. They saw them as their people. And when you can relate to people, it, the mm-hmm. people will take to you. So that's the reason why you saw the album sales. You saw the sold out tours. You like it, it just when you're able to relate to people and you sort of feel like you grow up with them because it wasn't just here. It, it went into the next album, Crazy Sexy Cool, went into fan mm-hmm. mail, you know, until it ended uh, with Left Eyes on Timely Pan- Passing mm-hmm. now 20 years ago this year. So because you related to them, that's what it made it. That's what made them so popular because you looked at them and said, you know what? That's the girl at high school. That's the girl I got a crush on. That's the really cool girl. That's at the basketball court with me. So that's really mm-hmm. what made them their appeal is that the fact that they were relatable. So yes. now to get into the album and we want to get into first reactions and reflections and what you thought. So we'll go ahead and get it started. First thoughts and reflections. So Charlie, we'll start with you. Listening to this album, you talked about the Ain't Too Proud to Bed video. I remember that well, not just from the box, but also from MTV and also Yo MTV Raps and also Rap City. So Don't listening the to Jukebox Network. Uh, ju- yeah, so all, all that, all that. So mm-hmm. what were your thoughts after listening to the album and uh, your thoughts about the album, its content, and then in the 30 years since the album has come out, what are your thoughts after reviewing it for this upcoming week? I think my thoughts when I first saw it is I was I was pretty blown away and just kind of in love right away. They just had a package that for me, it was the total package, but it was like everything that I would want. Now, mind you, they would not call themselves crazy, sexy, cool into the next uh, album, mm-hmm. but you could see their distinct personalities. You could see that left eye brought this crazy mm-hmm. rapping style. She had this high pitched voice. And mm-hmm. I said it before, she was almost like a cartoon. It yeah. was silly <laughs> and funny, but flirty at the same time. Mm-hmm. T-Boz came with this deep alto voice, being that I am the kind of girl that I am. So she brought the, this deep, smooth, mm-hmm. slick, almost kind of masculine swagger. So she had the cool. And then there was Chili. And Chili was the one I related to the most. I, I I, mm-hmm. I, I fancy, I, you know, people say I looked a little bit like her. I'm, I'm not going to really. But, um, you know, she brought the sauce. She was the R&B. She did the singing. So I always loved to sing. Mm-hmm. So I related to her closely. But put them together and you've got the bass, the soprano, the rap. They were all so pretty. It was just like this perfect trio and combination. Mm-hmm. Then on top of that, the videos were just Amazing, you know mm-hmm. they were colorful. They they were dancing like they I were. always loved to crazy. dance. They were crazy. They were crazy. 
they were very good hip hop dancers. They weren't, you can tell they weren't people that were just vocalists that try to dance. Like they, they each could dance. They, they held their own Mm -hmm. and everything. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing was their album for me was so good. Um, Every song was so tight, and I and I realize now one thing I really love about it is it was a lot of oldies samples, and it's something I kind of have a soft spot for. But mm-hmm. you know, th- there was a lot of seventies and uh, old soulful grooves mixed with hip hop beats, and then with Left Eyes rhyming, and then the two t- different types of singing. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was a whole different sound. You know, yeah. we had we mentioned BBD Balbiv Devoe with the R&B and hip hop, they came out and they just came out with this whole new sound. We didn't really have groups where you had singers and rappers. Yeah. Besides BBD, I can't really think of anybody else that really came with that. I feel like they were the first that we really saw R&B and hip hop and women. And they just, they just had it all. You know what I mean? So I was really blown away by the album because it was so much fun. Yeah. Every song, I, I think there was maybe two or three slow, slow songs, but the songs were danceable. There was great beats. That's something I really like. I really like upbeat music. Yeah. They had messages. They had tons of messages. Oh, Everything yeah. was feminist, independent, safe sex on top of it. I mean, but they did it in such a fun way. It never felt preachy, but mm-hmm. the album was just so fun. You know, even now, uh, what about your friend? Ain't ain't too proud to beg when that intro starts it just puts mm-hmm. me, oh yes i'm just like oh god it just puts me in such a good mood so yeah it just became like my happy place like you mentioned i felt like i could relate to them i felt like they could be friends of mine i wanted to be mm-hmm. friends of theirs like they were the cool girls and i i wanted to be a part of their world so yeah I was impressed with, with the whole album and I wore it out. Me and my best friend Nikki in my bedroom all night just talking about the greatness yeah. that was TLC. It was just so new and so fresh and so sexy and so fun. It was just everything. Yeah. You know, and nobody else I felt like came out like that. Yeah, you're right. And like they had, you know, female rap groups. You had JJ, your JJ Fads, you had your salt and peppers, but mm-hmm. there was the combination of the R and B and the hip hop that really kinda yes. took it that kind of took it to the next level. And yes. like a lot of things you said, I was the same thing with my sisters, you know. So they went through that same like you kinda like you go and you see yourself in them. And if you're if you were a girl in the nineties and you were coming up during that time and you liked R and B and hip hop music, you saw yourself in them. It wasn't necessarily like you would see you kinda saw like Whitney and Anita and like I said, those Patrice Russians, those Mickey Howards, and you saw and you mm-hmm. kind of put them at a level sort of like above you almost. Like, you know, like sort of like your parents' music, I guess you could say. But then when you see yourself on the screen, it gives it it gives you another level of relatability. You know, you yeah. that recognition that you see, oh, that's me. That's me and my friends. You know, that's literally me and my friends right there. So yeah. Exactly. That I did feel like that was me and my friends. And the other thing is when you mentioned Whitney, I, I did I remember Whitney as a child and I always looked at her as a music for like older people. Mm-hmm. But when TLC came out, I didn't actually know how old they were. I assumed they were teenagers. Yeah. So, you know, I thought they were a lot younger than what they were. So that was mm-hmm. another reason why I really related to them. I felt yeah. like they were just like me. Indeed. Yeah. And to me, when I am watching it, like, obviously, man, with any guy, even at like 10, 11 years old, like watching it, like the music is one thing that catches you. But, yo, when you're a guy, you're 10, 11 years old, you're looking to see, yo, who's cute? Who do I like? You know, so that mm-hmm. was that was me, unfortunately. Like the first thing it's like, I'm looking here at these videos. All right, cool. This music is cool. But who do I like? I mean, obviously, most guys at that age definitely had a thing for Chili. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt. And I was one of them. I was one of them. And it wasn't just the fact that she was cute and she looked, she was sexy, but she had a nice voice, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, that soprano voice. But then you get the, you sort of got the whole thing. Like you said, they weren't crazy, sexy, cool until the next album, but you saw something in each each, each of yes. that and each one of them. Yeah, you saw T-Boz could be sexy, but she also was cool. And you definitely could see that she would probably have a little crazy streak in her. We all know mm-hmm. Left Eye was crazy. <laughs> because she was zany out there her rhymes her style her mannerisms but you know people found her sexy as well i mean shoot people like that a girl that seems mm-hmm. like she has an edge to her and she was definitely cool like you could definitely see left eye being one of the ones that could kick it with the homegirls or the homegirl you know or the homeboys you know and then chili the same way she was sexy but she seemed like she was cool and yeah, every yeah, yeah. So, and if you found out later on with her dealings with Usher, <laughs> she could go a little bit crazy, especially when he did her wrong. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but into the music, 
listening to it back then, it sounded like most music that I heard, except for, like you said, you had the the combination of rapping and singing. You had that with mm-hmm. Bell Bib DeVoe, and that worked so well because they were such, they were hip and they were cool, and the music was danceable, and it was cool to hear a rap verse come out of a song like Poison. But then you get with TLC when they dropped that Ain't Too Proud to Beg, the music on this, I mean, the production, first of all, let's give Dallas Austin his flowers if we haven't already. Um, Dallas <laughs> Austin and his production on this is ridiculous yes. because it almost mm-hmm. rivals what I heard. Like the Bomb Squad did a lot of production. Bomb Squad, who did a production for uh, Public Enemy in the late 80s for, you know, uh, Fear of a Black Planet. Um, also for... It takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Very, very popular hip hop producers. One of the best groups of hip hop producers out there. Their that production that he did in this album reminded me a lot like that. To hear R and B music over like hip hop beats. Those drums were hard drums. Those bass lines were hard bass lines. And that production backed up also with uh, the production of Molly Mall, who of course legendary. We all know about Molly Mall, Juice Crew. LO Cool J. I mean, you name the acts of people he's produced for during this time and writing by by mostly by Left Eye, but also by Dallas Austin. And then you have that touch. Be able to slow things down just a little bit with Babyface. Mm-hmm. And when you listen to it, you know the songs that Babyface and LA produced. You already know. I mean, yeah. everybody knows what Babyface and LA's bag were. It was those slow word jams. They weren't slow jams, but they were slow word jams because everything else was up tempo. This yes. music makes you want to get up and dance. I mean, even yes. now when you hear it, a lot of this music is like that mixture of like new Jack Swain to hip hop to R and B. It like this. You can tell that this was probably, I wasn't in the clubs back then or partying, but I could only imagine what it was like in the clubs when stuff like this came on, because this music gets, yeah. makes you want to get up and dance. It really does. It's fun music. And the, like you said, the issues that they talked about, I mean, the, you know, the protection is the priority. What Left Eye said yes. in the conclusion, the fact that they wore condoms on their clothes, which at a big time, the message was getting out there like, hey, AIDS and HIV is a problem in our community. Wrap it mm-hmm. up. Use protection. Yep. It's something that was really starting to get out there. They really were the forefront at that, especially because they were coming out in a time when just a few months before we had found out that Magic Johnson had HIV. So mm-hmm. it really kind of struck to the heart of our community when we saw how big of a problem it was going to become. And they were like, hey, look, wrap it up. Use protection. Protect yourself. And the issues and talking about, like you said, like women's empowerment and, you know, about yes. about being confident and being sexy, but not really having to take their clothes off. I mean, they didn't have to yes. take their clothes off to really seem like they, they wanted to appeal to people. The messaging that they had, some of the it was was sexual in nature to a certain extent. But they weren't taking any clothes off and they weren't vulgar with it. So that was what I think was impressive back then is that they could be that way and then not compromise their artistry to feel as though, oh, I got to take my clothes off and do this. Or, oh, I got to add in a couple of F words or the P word Mm -hmm. or this, whatever. So that is what impressed me now as a grown man listening to this music and coming up in that era, listening to it. It's like, yo, yo, they they did their thing on this. And. Listening to some interviews with with Dallas Austin about the early days with TLC and how important it was for him really to make his mark. And and not only that, but then to get them off on a good foot to really show that, one, they could do it and that he also can handle producing as well. So that cohesive relationship that you had back then when you had producers really working with artists, where Mm -hmm. it wasn't just the beat and go in the studio and record. It's like, let's sit down and make this song. You know, let's sit down and make this song. Let's shape the direction of it. Let's shape it to the point where it becomes almost a fully functioning person and human where it can live and breathe. So, so, so that's what I thought about it then and now. And also production contributions by Jermaine Dupree, obviously um, they all came up and you're talking about, you know, JD, T-Boz, Chili, Dallas, Austin, all of them came up in Atlanta. All of them were at Jelly Bean, the famous skating rink, which was which what the movie mm-hmm. ATL was based off of. So this is like this relationship that you form to be able to make this beautiful music. So those are my reflections. Just really great music, good stuff that you really want to, that you sit back and it makes you smile. Like I'm literally listening to these breakdowns on these songs, Charlie, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I remember when hip hop songs used to be like this, when they used to have these drum breakdowns and these bridges. Oh my God. You know, yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. And you know, the other thing I want to add that you brought up, the other thing that I really loved about the group and the music was the sense of friendship. Now, yeah. you don't get this from a lot of groups, even groups like, for instance, uh, SWV, who started out as friends. They knew each other before. Yeah. It was the sense that, and I, and I didn't know their story, and I didn't know that they just really met for this album. But when you watch the video, you you look like you're watching these best friends yeah. who've been tight yeah. for years. For and years. I had a best friend, and we were seriously tight, like inseparable, for for many years. I mean, every week it was it was me and her. And you got this sense of this sisterhood and this friendship, and it's like you wanted to be a part of a group like that or have your own crew like that. Like mm. they really felt bonded. Yeah. And in all their videos, baby, baby, baby and it seems like they're super tight and super close and they just get each other and they have the same sense of humor they seem like they're on the same level now now we won't get into that but we'll learn later on that they did run into issues but when the first album came out and all the videos they had this you they seemed like a really tight union they seemed like they were meant to be together they seemed like they were lifelong friends oh yeah and i and i I saw that with my friend and of course i wanted that too and it's still something that i love about um their connection they have a great amazing chemistry yeah they do they do. It's yeah. um, it's something that when you feel like, like you said, they feel like they had known each other for years. Like that really was the, oh man, like they, they, oh, they are, they are chilling. Like, yo, look at how much fun they're having. And, yeah. and, you know, it's something that like, when you think back to those times, like a big portion of that, there were a lot of issues going on, but I think back to those times, that time of hip hop and R&B, a lot of it was really about fun. Like dancing was a big thing. Like, you know, having fun at parties and listening to music and you relating to that music was a big thing. So when you yes. saw that manifested through, their chemistry on screen mm-hmm. and then even when they weren't in music videos being directed by somebody if you watch interviews with them back in the day yes they seemed like they it was like yo it was authentic it really seemed like it was authentic even with the issues that were going on behind the scenes they always came out and seemed like yo we we got this like yo, these are my girls we yes. having a great time with young black successful you know we having the time of our lives so they were super yeah. duper confident and like you said there's there little clips that they would do in between interviews and they would be doing these little raps and these little rhymes and this mm-hmm. little wiggity 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 stuff and I remember just watching them like whoa like they just seen they had this incredible chemistry musically yeah. and also socially and it's like I just wanted to be a part of it yeah. you know absolutely say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill Putting and I up. didn't see that in other groups. Yeah. I, I, felt, I felt like the whole package was really unique. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. They had something that you really didn't see. I would even say when you talk about that chemistry and energy between each other that you didn't really see, to your point, with SWV and with, with like, Escape. You know, like, you didn't really see that. I mean, like, you kind of really felt like the energy you were seeing was authentic. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. Footnote about Baby, 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 by the way. Um, that video mm-hmm. actually was shot at Bowie State. Um, so <laughs> at Bowie State right here in Maryland in our home state. And it was, you know, with them on the dorm where they had a slumber party and everything. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was filmed. Gosh, I was filmed, thinking about that today. Yeah, it was filmed it was filmed at that Bowie State University. So, you know, I didn't really even know about that till like a, a little while ago. So yeah, interesting things you find out when you start researching this album. But now we're gonna go ahead and get into highlights and lowlights. Highlights and lowlights. So, Charlie, we'll go to you first. Give us just a few of your highlights and any lowlights if you have them when reviewing the album. What did you have? What stood out to you? Uh, Good and bad. Okay, so let me start with my highlights. I made a couple notes. Um, So, first off, the the highlights are the songs that I really love. And they are typically the songs that came out. um, Ain't Too Proud to Beg. I believe it was my first video. I was, boom, mesmerized by it. This was like... The introduction of them, but I also felt like it was a perfect introduction. You know, you see T-Buys over here and you see, Ch- and they have their names up. So you see these little cute little mm-hmm. names that they oh, yeah. put yeah. out for themselves. What about your friends? I also love this song because, you know, most songs are about love, mm-hmm. breakups. Um, and at that time, you know, it was a lot of gangster rap. There wasn't a lot of songs about check your friends. 
are these really your homies? Like, yeah, you know, exactly. And that, I was at that age too, where you really had to start thinking about that stuff. So it was like, oh, yeah. Ooh, you oh, know yeah. what? This is a good point. You know, you really had to watch who you hung out with. So that definitely spoke to me in the video. Mm-hmm. I still do that dance every yeah. time I hear the song. <laughs> okay. And I have a karaoke about story it. about that. We, we get to that later. But, okay, um, cool. <laughs> then the other two, uh, Baby, 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 as you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was a film at a college. I didn't know which one. And that's amazing that Bowie State, because I'm like, they were in, they were in my state. Like, yeah. I was close to them at one point. Yes. <laughs> but um, the thing about Baby, Baby, Baby is... That was so cute. With them filming in a dorm, like this whole college HBCU, like it just made me feel like, oh, I want to go to college. I want to do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be in a dorm with my girls and my boombox with rollers on my head. Like it was it was aspirational. Yeah, it really did encourage me to one day go to college. I wish I would have followed. I wish I would have gone to an HBCU, which Mm -hmm. I was thinking about today. Mm -hmm. That's something I look back on. It would change. But I remember watching that video and being like, oh, I want to do that, too. You know, I want to be in the, the girls dorm and being silly and singing me i mean even at my age now i would love to be in you know in a college dorm doing all that stuff but Mm -hmm. it was very aspirational the other song had to the back oh now chili is quoted as saying this was her favorite video and it's hard for me to say which one because i love all the videos but i remember being particularly mesmerized by this video okay I, i think the reason why is because they had done the whole baggy pants, you know, we we not trying to dress sexy, this is who we are thing. Mm-hmm. But in this video, they decided to sort of switch it up and dress sexy for like one little segment. Mm-hmm. And you got to see them in sexy clothes. And I remember, I remember being like, wow, like they are so beautiful. Like they are so mm-hmm. sexy. It's mm-hmm. like yeah. to see their little bodies and everything. It's like, oh, they really have the whole package, the singing, the dancing, mm-hmm. the personalities, but they really are beautiful ladies. Every yeah. time that video came on, I would just be so mesmerized. And then the thing I remember at the end of it, <laughs> and I don't, nobody will probably remember this, but me. And that's because I personally studied videos in the nineties mm-hmm. at the very end of it. They had their backs turned, and I think at the bottom of their jeans or their jacket, it was like, look who's running things now. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> I mean, and at 14, 15, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. They are, like, the greatest thing. <laughs> like, I, I was obsessed with that video. They had two other songs, Depend on Myself and Bad by Myself. Again, just mm-hmm. these independent, yeah. self-reliant, feminist, I don't need no man thing that... At that age, I, I really need to hear those kind of messages because you're starting to get into boys and, well, your girl was really into boys. But, <laughs> you know, as a young, impressionable teenager, you're getting into boys, but it's good to get the message that, you know, it's, it's not always about the boys. Put you first and mm. you don't really need this. And I, I, I appreciated hearing that. Yeah. So those would definitely be the highlights for me. I, I would say... I think there was only two, maybe three slower songs, but the majority of the album was very upbeat. And that's something I personally prefer. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big ballad person. So this was really my speed. Okay. But if I have to talk about a few low lights. Mm, okay. So there's three songs that I didn't exactly love. And I hesitate to say it because I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm TLC forever, mm-hmm. forever. Okay? okay. All right. All right. But <laughs> okay. Shock that monkey. Hmm. Yeah, I never really liked that song. I feel weird even saying it, but yeah, <laughs> wasn't as strong. And also, um, something you want to know, and this is how it should be done. I kind of feel like they're a little bit filler. Mm-hmm. Not my favorites. If I'm listening to the album, I will skip those three. Okay. Yes. Right. Oh, I will also say another highlight is they had two intermissions and then a conclusion. The first two intermissions just perfectly... Yeah, it's so much their personalities, which is like fun, <laughs> yes. free, yeah. crazy. Um, the first one was like a voicemail that was just really, really silly, and the second one was this um, hole removal thing yep. they did, which <laughs> yeah. again, it just sounds like they're just friends, girls hanging around, cutting up and being silly, and that's 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 me. Yeah. So I just love that, and then the conclusion was just this nice little ballad thing and it just wrapped it up really beautifully so overall mm-hmm. i think this this was a great album you know I, there aren't that many low lights but yeah the highlights for me are the majority of it and um yeah just just amazing work just a great intro to this group true yeah yeah so yeah, yeah so my highlights and that was a, a great uh you know great review and summary <laughs> of your highlights because a lot of them are my own as well i mean obviously the singles 
my highlights. Uh, Ain't too proud of the bag. That was the first one out there. Everybody's introduction to them. And that kind of really hit you out of left field because it was like the fashion. It was the music. It was, you know, this the just raw right there in your face. And, you know, the same thing about uh, what about your friends. But to me, if I had to pick a favorite song, it's probably baby, baby, baby. Because the reason why I say that for me is because um, I remember that song a lot, particularly because of the summer, because this came out as a single right around that sweet spot around Memorial Day. So this mm-hmm. uh, this song, you heard a lot of it during the summertime. And I, you know, back then, like my memories now are a little spotty now that I'm grown and it's been almost 30 years since then. But the one thing I do remember is hearing that song a lot during that summertime. And um, that is this is probably one of my favorite TLC songs. Like out of all mm-hmm. the ones that I've listened to, this is definitely I would say probably in my top five. And, you know, from this album, yeah, this is definitely my favorite one from them. But other highlights that I have, um, like I mentioned, the hip hop drums and like it sounded like, oh, man, this is this is like this beat right here sounds like somebody could rap to this. Like, like I'm listening to these songs. I'm like, yo, someone could rap to this, like other than just left eye. Like I could hear other rappers rapping on these beats. So that was really kind of overall was a highlight to me. But you know, the hat to the bat, like you said, what about your friends? This is how it should be done. I actually like that one. I did also mm-hmm. like bad by myself. Um, one to me that I thought the messaging, what I loved was his story because oh. they talked about Tawana Brawley during that particular, in the intro left. I mentioned her, but oh, that yes. and the messaging in that particular song, I thought kind of struck me as well. Um, that's the way we like him. Another Molly mall track again, it, you know, Molly mall, whenever he produces during this time, he did not miss and he never really missed in his career. Um, but mm-hmm. those depend on myself, bad by myself, the, you know, his story really kind of spoke to them being confident. And then not only that, but telling women and young girls really to, Hey, Listen, stand up for yourself, be proud of yourself, like be confident in yourself, which was important because, you know, a lot of us, we took our cues during music. And as much as we don't want to admit that we took a lot of our cues during music. I know a lot of guys when we listen to music, the music we were listening to back then, right or wrong, we took our cues from it. So that was an important message to be able to get down to get out there. But listening to the production from from Dallas, Austin, also seeing what, you know, Babyface and L.A. Reid did, the writing that Dallas Austin and Left Eye did. It's something that I didn't know until doing my research that Left Eye did a, a, a other than our own rats, did a good amount of writing on this. So, mm-hmm. and Dallas did a good amount of writing on this. And then obviously, you know what LA and Babyface do. And then shout out to Jermaine Dupree and also the Funky Bunch for producing Bad By Myself. So overall, great. Uh, my lowlights though, I have to agree with you on Shock That Monkey. After okay. hearing Ain't Too Proud to Beg, I was just like, mm, I don't know. That's when we talk about <laughs> sequencing with albums. Like, sequencing is very important. Maybe this would have been a little bit lower down the track list. After another song, I would have maybe responded to it better. But right after Ain't Too Proud to Beg, you get that, and then you go right into that. Like, mm, I don't really know about this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, something you want to know is I really, you know, like, I think that you having Baby, Baby, Baby on there was good. Having that and then also having this, if I had to throw one of those away i'm definitely throwing that one away so yeah those are really my two low lights the intermissions obviously funny as hell especially even the skit with left eye her man and going to the club like yo we going to the club i'm going with you to the club like up oh, nope you know what chili just called me i'm going to the studio and i'm taking yep. your car so it was just like you know just like really funny like entertaining stuff so really kind of fit into the theme of the rest of the album of keeping you entertained but also keep you informed and also empowering you along the same way for women and for young girls back then so Um, Yeah. So those are my highlights and lowlights. And, you know, to me, it kind of speaks to, you know, what we would see from them later on. And what I guess what I'll go into now before we get into what our final verdict of the albums are is to sort of speak about this. Now, I mentioned at the top, Charlie, that this Mm -hmm. is the album from TLC. That is their least selling album. They sold six million copies of this worldwide. Now, Crazy Sexy Cool we know how big that was. That was a, a mm-hmm. massive, massive hit. And it came out two years later. 
almost two and a half years later, has been certified 12 times platinum and has sold 15 million copies worldwide. That that is an album that people, of course, speak to as that being their magnum opus. But then after all the struggles, the bankruptcies, the court filings with L.A. and Pebbles and everything else, they came back with fan mail about five years later and they came back like they had never, ever left. And they come back and they sell 10 million copies worldwide with that. So <laughs> that's kind of crazy when you think about it. So, because yeah. Ooh on the TLC tip was definitely hotter than fan mail. Yeah. But um, I guess because they were so new, you know. But yeah. But for a debut album, that's excellent. Yeah. And then you think about who was writing for them, too. Like, you got to think about like mm-hmm. the, who was doing the writing on fan mail. And then also the sound has sort of changed a little bit. From 92 to 99, a lot. You know, the mm-hmm. the sound had changed, the look had changed. Like, they started out with these baggy clothes in 92, and by the time 99 came around, they were... They were dressing sexy, you know, that, yeah. you know, because they the, were showing off. Yeah, they were showing off a little bit, but I think they had deserved to show off after the success that they had. So, oh, yeah. But you know what? The, I mentioned it on my podcast, but a lot of artists do that. They come out one way like Aaliyah did it. Mm-hmm. Escape did it. I think SWV kind of did it. You know, we baggy yeah. clothes, we hip hop. And then the next time, I'm like, oh, okay, we grown now. We now we sexy. And so I yeah. kind of, you know, I. I remember when Aaliyah did, I was like, what? But, mm-hmm. you know, the women come into their own and then they d- they decide they're a little bit more comfortable with their bodies and the sexuality. And then they, they turn it up a little bit. Janet did it. Janet did it, too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah so. it definitely happens. It's like their evolution. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. as you grow, you evolve. So yep. artists, you see that with artists all the time. They grow and they evolve. And we definitely saw the evolution with them now. Uh, unfortunately with us, we always like to see our artists come back and do things. But with TLC that uh, I don't, and I don't care what happened after that, uh, after left eye passed away, you know, that was it. TLC was done because mm-hmm. there is no TLC without left eye. And mm-hmm. for a good portion of this album, she kind of served as the heart and soul of this album. I mean, not only did she do a lot of the writing and the raps, but she really kind of gave that album the edge that made TLC TLC. I mean, yes. not taking away anything from what T-Boz did, you know, everybody loved that that raspy, contralto voice, chilly yes. with that mezzo-soprano voice, but then you had Left Eye that really kind of struck at the heart and soul of what TLC was. She gave was. them that punch. She did. She and did. no other group, you know, we have singing and, you know, we have a lot of R&B, but we, but left I brought, mm-hmm. we never had that before. Nobody had that. And nobody was rapping the way she did. You mm-hmm. know, she, she wasn't this hardcore street hood. She, her, even her sound, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't have that before. Yeah. She, nobody had that, you know, it was unique to this group. Yeah. Unique. So they had that advantage. Unique and unique in the fact that all three of them had three very unique voices in the way that their voices sounded. You had T-Boz's voice, which is unmistakable and as recognizable as any voice anywhere, even today. When you hear T-Boz talk, it's like, oh, yeah, that's Mm T-Boz. Same thing with Left Eye when you heard her. She had that sort of like somewhat high-pitched voice that was kind of nasally that was, you know, know, like everybody cartoony. Everybody knew a girl like Left Eye and heard or knew a girl that had a voice like Left Eye's voice, you know. And and Chili as well had that very unique voice. And it it really kind of built towards when you have three voices like that to a very a group that – can give you that nothing else that another group can give you. And, no. I, and I think that they don't get their due with the other groups that came in. Cause they were like, I, I saw an article, Charlie, it said they were part of a freshman class that came in during 1992, 1993. That really changed the landscape of what R and B singers looked like, sounded like, and what they sang about. And we're talking about them. We're talking about SWV. We're talking about escape. Jeanne, you know, that came out that introduced us really to the R and B girl group and made them a thing in the nineties. But I don't think when we talk about them, because I, I don't think they really get their due as much as the others do. I mean, I think a lot of folks talk a lot about SWV, a lot about Escape, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that when we talk about TLC, they did get their due. But they sold more than anybody, any one of those groups that I just named just right there. So it's... I think people tend to forget because TLC as a threesome, you know, we, we lost that trio, excuse mm. me, so long ago. yeah. I think people tend to forget, you know, that the other groups are still around and still performing. So the newness is what people remember. But I, mm-hmm. I think people forget exactly what it was like back then when they came out and how distinct they were. The, the other thing that gets me about TLC is that, you know, 
we had girl groups before and we had a lot that came out of the 90s and I profiled them. But we didn't have a lot of groups where you knew each individual member's name, yeah. personality mm-hmm. and role. You when you go. think about SWV, Escape, Jeanne, Total, mm-hmm. uh, just to name a few. Can most people name all the members? Yeah. Um, where they what they sung, mm-hmm. if they listen to the tracks, they know who sung, blah, blah, blah. TLC, they were each the way they came out and they marketed themselves, they were each distinctive. You yeah. knew which verse was T Boz's, which ones was Chili, which who was left out, and you knew all of their names and which role they played. It exactly. was you know, I don't know if it was a marketing thing or just the way they came out, but they it was very distinctive. Well, you don't get that in a lot of girl groups. I mean, I I know a lot of girl groups come out. I might know a couple of their names. I don't know all of them. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then half the time, a lot of these girl groups, you have one person that does lead and the rest does back up. Yeah. A la Destiny's Child and, mm-hmm. and SWV. But they were so distinctive. Yeah. We don't have a lot of groups like that. They, mm-hmm. You know, we, we had in Vogue, but yeah, of course, that was a completely different thing. But they set themselves apart by having such distinctive personalities and identities. And everybody can identify all three members yeah, of the group. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. even now. Even now, even now, even after 20 years after Left Eye has been gone and after TLC as a group hasn't put out anything in that manner since 1999. But still, you know, we talk about some, the word that Diddy used during the Art of Organized Noise documentary that talked about Organized Noise, which T-Boz was mentioned quite a bit because T-Boz knew all three members of Organized Noise and she went to high school with Sleepy Brown and worked with Rico Wade. Mm. And Diddy said, it's not about the amount of work you do, but the impact of the work that you do. So that definitely describes TLC about the impact of the work that they did. So now we get into the final part of it. Final verdict. So Charlie, we go to you first. So we have a ranking system here. I've explained it to you here at the vault classic music review. So we go by what kind of classic do we think it is? Is it a certified classic, a borderline classic, a classic just in its time or not a classic at all? And we use a ranking system between seven and 10 about how strongly we feel about it. Seven, you don't feel as strongly about it. To 10, you feel very strongly about it. So what say you, Charlie D, about ooh on a TLC tip? Okay. Charlie D. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh on a TLC tip. I'm going to go out and say I'm going to call this a certified classic. Okay. And if I have to rate the strength of that, I'm going number 10 because I feel completely strong without a shadow of a doubt that this album was groundbreaking. It was like nothing else we'd ever heard. It sold 6 million copies for a debut for a group that we had never heard of any member of before is pretty daggone good. And the fact that that was the lowest selling album is just crazy to me. But when they hit the scene Everybody was like, whoa, what is this? All eyes on them. Mm -hmm. They were immediate hit. They were groundbreaking. They were innovative. They brought completely fresh new ideas. I'm certifying it a classic. Okay. Certified classic. Charlie D says that 10 out of 10. And I will go ahead and say as well that it's a certified classic for me as well. Um, When we talk about classic music, it really is when you talk about does it stand the test of time? Does it still impact you? Do you get a same, the feeling that you had, if not what you had 30 years ago, but do you still get a feeling from it? Does it evoke emotion out of you? And I think that's the great thing about music is that when you hear classic music, it still evokes an emotion out of you, good or bad. And with this, it takes me right back to those times, those songs, those beats, that music that makes you want to dance, the impact that TLC had, like you said, their voices, their personalities, their roles, like what they did, like as far as their fashion was concerned, the messages, you take all that up and bottle it up into this album and you have a certified classic. And for me, mm-hmm. I will go ahead and put it at a nine out of 10. The only reason I'm not giving it a 10 out of 10 is because I knew what they were capable of later on. And we could see what they were capable of all later on is that you take a group like TLC and this is big. I mean, like we're talking Charlie six million copies back then when people used to mm-hmm. buy music, when we used to have to go to the store to buy music and <laughs> like, that's nothing to, that's nothing to sneeze at. Well, they no. took that and they went and they, they doubled that 
on their next album. So Mm -hmm. that speaks to sort of the appeal that they had like people. And it wasn't just like black people, like all types of people got into TLC. They had the wide and mainstream appeal, which brought them the type of success that not, not many people can duplicate. So I'm saying certified classic. I'm saying nine out of 10 for this one, but Charlie and I agree that, yo, you having a conversation about music in 1992 and about R&B and hip hop in the 90s, you can't have that conversation without TLC. You cannot. Exactly. So there we go, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it from here, certified classic from both me and Charlie D. And, you know, that wraps it up. But I cannot end this out without thanking my guest co-host for today, Charlie D from the Word to the Mother podcast. And Charlie, thank you for joining us. We had a great time. Love to have you on sometime soon. But before we close out, we always like to make sure to get a closing word from you. So let the folks know where they can find you. You have any websites, social media, let the folks know where they can find and follow the Word to Mother podcast and let them know when they can expect new uh, episodes or anything new that you're working on. Okay, so my podcast is word to the mother dot and that's mother with an A, not an ER. Uh, like he mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's a retrospective on nineties R and B and hip hop. It drops right now bi weekly, and every episode features one artist. Uh, we uh, go through their career in the 90s as well as their career afterwards but I'm basically highlighting an an artist that made a great impact during which I consider the greatest decade for hip-hop and Mm R&B and uh, I also along with that do a featured song and that is where we talk about a song that the artist might not have had a long career but the song was majorly hot and there's tons of songs like that too. The podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google um, and I have links on the site just look for words of the mother dot and you'll have all the links on there as well. It's Charlie D bi-weekly and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I wanted to create something that is just fun to listen to because nineties music always just makes me happy. So I hope people listen in and have a good time. There you go. Charlie <laughs> D everyone from word to the mother podcast. Make sure y'all checking that out. You heard the website. You heard the social media links. Make sure y'all checking that out bi-weekly every couple of weeks. She has some new hot stuff coming out, and she does a great job, great production value there. We can't wait to have you back on, Charlie, for another episode, another review. To chop it up with us, you always have a home here in the Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast. I had a great time. I I could talk about 90s music for days, which is why I have a podcast. So I'm really honored. Really thankful. Thank you for having me on. I haven't guested in a very long time. So I was like, really? They want me. Um, So I'm really being honored. I I definitely would love to come back. So thank you for asking me and having me on. No doubt. No doubt. All right. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are checking us out on our host on Red Circle. You can also visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. Once again, that's vaultclassicpod.com. You can go to the website, look at all the episodes, leave a review. Also, leave a voicemail if you can. The microphone in the bottom right-hand corner highlighted in blue. You can also visit the Vault Podcast Record Club, our private Facebook community. Click to join it, answer a few questions in your end. And of course, our Buy Me a Coffee, where you can give a small donation to show your support. And you can find us on social media again at, at Vault Classic Pod on Instagram, on Twitter at Vault Classic, and on Facebook and YouTube, the Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast. Like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, interact with us on social media. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on, your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create. Motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. That's vaultclassicpod.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.